0: As you know, this series we've been in is called, If You're Not Ready, You're Perfect. We've kind of been talking about how, you know, there's all these times that we don't feel ready. Oh, Lord, I'm not ready. Uh, I know you want to use me and and move me and, and bring you into this, but I don't feel ready. So can we just wait? And God's like, no, you're not ready. You're perfect because when we're weak, he's strong. It's in our weakness that he perfects us. And so we've been looking at all kinds of scriptures where we see all these different characters in the Bible where maybe they didn't have the, permission, the provision or maybe they didn't have the permission or maybe they didn't have the access. All of these different things. They didn't have the ability. It wasn't all right. And God said, hey, you're not ready. Uh, it's perfect. I'm calling you. I'm commissioning you. I'm positioning you. I'm going to use you. Are you with me? And so God says, hey, we can do this. I can use you in this moment of not feeling ready. And so today, I kind of want to just put the, the exclamation mark on series. I, I, the series, maybe just the final garnishes to this series. Uh, but I really hope that you can walk away knowing that you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. You don't have to have everything put together. You know, there's so many people that come to church and they go, uh, you know, I, I would love to come to church, but I got to get these things cleaned up first. Or I would love for God to use me, but I got this and I got this. And God's like, I know. <laughs> but I still want to use you, and i got a great plan for you. We've been saying that you were created on purpose, for a purpose, and that's for everybody. And so as we kind of wrap up this series, um, I just want you to know that that this message, that this series that's been sent to you, uh, is not just so that you can say, well, that was kind of nice. It's so that you can be equipped to know that these are truths going forward. Amen? Um, I was reading some um, just kind of patterns uh, that a website had put together of Charles Spurgeon's Uh, ministry, just some things that he consistently did. For those of you that don't know Charles Spurgeon, he's a great revivalist. He's written many books, a lot of inspiration to the spirit-filled, charismatic, non-denominational church. And um, he put together all these things, but there was this one thing that he did pretty regularly, and it would be sort of his sign-off to other people, or a way that he would leave someone with a greeting. He would say this phrase, he would say, be braver than lions, for God is with you. You need to remember something. Oh, I don't feel ready. Oh, I feel weak. Oh, I don't feel in good position to be able to do this. I don't feel, and he would want people to walk away knowing, hey, you can be braver than lions. Why? Because God is with you. God is in you. We have King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We have the author and the finisher. You know that there's nothing in the middle that's going to surprise God. You know, he's not going to turn on the news and go, oh, they did what? Ah." He's the author, the finisher. He's everything in the middle. He's gone before us. Are you with me today? Yeah. And so we can walk around braver than lions because why? Because God is with us. Amen. You know, it's funny. We, we swallow such a false pill. We say, yeah. oh, look at me. I'm standing out. I'm being different. Look at me. I'm, I'm being a rebel. I'm being somebody who thinks independently. But really, we're still following a line of sheep when we follow the world's culture. Look at me, I'm different. You're not that. You want to be somebody who's different? Believe that you can be bolder than a lion because you have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on the inside of you. The one who stood the time. Are you with me today? I told the team, I said, hey, we want to make as much room as we can for worship today with our guests. I have a sermon that could be 10 minutes, it could be 20 minutes, it could be 30. And after I got going in it, I was like, it could be an hour. So (laughs) you got nowhere to go? Everything's close. So I'm just kidding. (laughs) Be braver than lions, for God is with you. All that you need is with you. When you feel weak, he's with you. You have all that you need. When you feel not ready, he's with you. One of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Many of us know that. We think Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He just, he just provides. I think sometimes in some, um, some pretty bad doctrines, we've narrowed that down to Jehovah Jireh, our provider, who helps us just get by. Oh, Lord, just help me make it to the next paycheck. Oh, he did it. He helped me get to the na- next paycheck. What a miracle worker. But he's more than just our provider. He's a, he's a more than enough God. The scripture also says that one of the names of God is he's El Shaddai, which means he's the all sufficient one. Yeah. He's everything that we need. Well, so Pastor, you don't understand. We're losing the culture war. We don't have influence in school. We don't have influence in government. We don't have influence in media. Yeah, but we have the all-sufficient one on the inside of us. We have everything that we need. Our God is the God of more than enough. Are you with me? Jehovah Jireh, our provider, not just in resources, but he's Jehovah Jireh in our giftings. All that we need to be able to influence our communities and make a difference and shift atmosphere is our Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and what we need in our gifts. He's Jehovah Jireh and what we need in our salvation, thank God. He's Jehovah Jireh and what we need, he provides our our mental health and our well-being. Are you with me today? He's Jehovah Jireh in our well-being that he provides to us, people that we can connect with and encourage one another and make a difference in our community. I'm grateful we have Jehovah Jireh, our provider. But we also have El Shaddai, who is the all-sufficient one, and he's the God who's more than enough. We see all through Scripture that Jesus didn't heal. He didn't just come and heal and meet the need. Many times in Scripture, not only did he heal, but he restored and he brought things back to better than they ever were. Oh, you've heard it said that this, and he comes in and heals and does this and make things better than the way that they were before. We see in scripture that we saw there was a great need among the multitude. They, they needed a meal. And so the scripture says, hey, we got some fish and we got some loaves. But what did God want us to see in this message? That not only was he the provider, but he was all sufficient one. And he's the God of more than enough. Yeah. So the scripture says, not only did everybody get their meal that they needed through the miracle, there was also leftover. Amen. thought about the way that he says that when we trust him, when we trust him in our lives, when we sacrifice, when we take up our cross and live sacrificial lives, the scripture says it gives God the ability to throw open the windows of heaven and do what? Blessings that are pressed down, shaken together and running over. Why? Because we have the all sufficient one on the inside of us. The one who's the God who is more than enough. And we got to walk like that. That's why Spurgeon said, be braver than lions. Why? Because you, as we just sang, we have the champion who's with us. The undefeated one is going with us. We co-labor with God. And let me tell you something, his record is perfect. And so even in our weakness and even when we feel like we're not ready, we have to understand that we have this El Shaddai. We have this thing that we can be confident in. It ought to produce confidence and boldness and passion as Christ followers. Yesterday I had a hard day because I watched the Michigan game. And I'm a Michigan fan. And uh, my son is seven. And um, we're kind of going through sports. And he's learning the the dramatics and the emotions of being a sports fan. And uh, there was a point in the game yesterday where I had to break the news to him, hey, bud, um, we're going to lose. There's like two minutes left. And they're going to get the ball. And and they're going to be able to spend all of those two minutes. And we're going to lose. And he was like, but dad, if we lose, then next week, Ohio State it doesn't matter. We're not going to be able to win. He's putting all the things together. And, and as much as I'm like, oh, bud, I know your pain, I'm also proud as a dad. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, he, he's, he's adding up all the pain here. And, and so he's like, but, but dad, but if this and this and this, and we're going to lose. And then miraculously, and can I tell you undeservedly, <laughs> Michigan got the ball back with time on the clock. And so my son has watched all these games with me, and he likes to look up stats, and he likes for me to tell him about these different players. And we have a player called, uh, named Jake Moody. How many are grateful for Jake Moody today? I am. Uh, but he's our field goal kicker. He kicks the field goals, and he has the most field goals out of any Michigan kicker in its history. And we call him Money Moody. Because any time he goes to kick a field goal, he makes it. I think he has just a couple misses this year. Uh, One of them was just a ridiculous kick. We were winning by a million, and we just tried a ridiculous kick. But he has very many misses. And so any time Money Moody comes out, everybody's like, we're good. We got Money Moody. And so we get the ball back, and all of a sudden I'm watching my son. Now, he's like me. Uh, If these games get tense, uh, you know, i got to put the dogs outside. i got to put our youngest in the closet. Like, I... (laughs) I can't have all these distractions, but I also can't sit down anymore. And so now I'm like up and I'm pacing and I'm freaking out and he's doing the same thing next to me. And then all of a sudden we made it past the 50 yard line with a few minutes or a few seconds left on the clock. And my son realizes, dad, dad, money moody can kick a field goal from here. And a field goal would have won us the game. And so all of a sudden, this confidence and this boldness is rising in him. He's like, Dad, all of a sudden, he starts jumping up and down off the couch. And I don't want to break his heart and be like, bro, nothing's guaranteed in college football. <laughs> hey, there's wind swirling. There's all these other things. You can be up by 17 in the third quarter and still losing double overtime. Sparty fan. <laughs> you knew I was going to do it. I didn't go this but he's like, Dad, uh, uh, uh Dad, we're going to win. We got Money Moody. We got Money Moody. He's going to kick the field goal. All we got to do is get to here. We got to there, and we kicked the field goal, and we won. And he was like, yeah. Can I tell you something? We as Christ followers have something a lot more confident than Money Moody. We got the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who's overcome death, hell, and the grave. We should be as excited as little Charlie gets about what we're walking in with our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. Uh, I know we know this don't know that we know this. Our God has overcome everything. He's beat death, hell, and we, we understand all this kind of stuff. But it's important that we remind ourselves. I know I say this almost every single week. Paul, in many of his writings, said, hey, it's good that we remind ourselves. I was, again, listening to the uh, coaches at halftime. The reporter would say, hey, what would you tell your team at halftime? And most of the coaches would say, well, honestly, I just had to remind them of who we are and how we walk and what we're capable of. And we just have to go out there and execute it. And I believe if we ever got a halftime interview with with heaven, they would say, hey, I just want to remind my people of who they are and the victory they walk in and the God who's on the inside of them. Are you with me? Rarely uh, do I ever hit a bad golf shot. Every once in a while, I'll hit a bad shot. And I think to myself, why did I hit a bad shot? Why did I have a bad shot? And then usually I go, you know what? I hit a bad shot there because I didn't remind myself before I hit that shot of the things that I was supposed to do. And, and it's the same thing in our walk with the Lord. It's like often we have to get into his word or get into worship and say, hold on a second. I got to remind myself. I don't need to live in fear. I don't need to feel like I'm unprepared. I don't need to feel like I'm unable because I got the all sufficient one leading and loving and moving me and what he has for me. Are you with me? So we need to remember our confidence comes from the Lord, the all sufficient one. we got too many people right now being like, well, what we need What we need is this person back in the office or what we need is this person back over here. If we can get this person over here, uh, this will make America great again. And this will do this kind of thing. There's only one person who's going to make America great again. And it's when we understand and we recognize the God on the inside of us, the all sufficient one is using us and building in us. Are you with me today? People say, well, I wish the pastor would do this. If the pastor would just do this, then we'd see our community changed well, you know, if the worship team would sing that song and not do this and not do that, we put all our other confidences in all these other things. But we ought to have our confidences, again, in the El Shaddai. The all-sufficient one is leading us in all things. Ephesians 3.20 says it this way. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in the pastor. <laughs> nope. According to the pastor or the, the work that it's in us. According to the power that works in all of us. God is working in all of us. It says to this, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. Only when the disciples were around. No, only in the 90s. No, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God's glory doesn't have a shelf life. Well, no, Pastor, you don't understand. Uh, if, if, if this happens in culture and that, haven't you heard this? And didn't you know this is going to try to happen? His glory is being manifested through the church, through a work in us. How long? Forever and ever. Amen. Amen. There is no doctrine of defeat for the body of Christ. Are you with me today? Why? Because we have El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, moving and working in us. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says this. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we asked of him. It ought to create a confidence in us when we go to the Father and we know. Uh, I gave this example in the first service. If you're confident about something, if you're confident about your skill or your ability or something that you walk in, uh, it creates a passion. It creates a zeal in you. You, if you're confident about something, you walk in sort of with some swagger, right? Like I can handle this. I can do this kind of thing. John Ferris was in the first service, and uh, and he uh, runs Paradigm Renovations, and so they fix up homes and do all these kind of things. And I said, if I took John Ferris uh, and brought him into a house that needed fixed up, he would have this confidence in what he knows about himself. He would walk in and say, Oh, of course, and with passion, he'd be able to give description. Oh, we can do this and move that and build this and do that. Now, I'm not a builder. And so if someone called me into a house that needed to be fixed, how many know I wouldn't have very much confidence in what I'm talking about? I wouldn't be able to go in with passion and say, oh, I'd walk into that thing and I'd say, I got a guy, and I'd call John Ferris, (laughs) and we'd get you taken care of. But if we have this confidence, if we have this understanding, if you're a Christ follower, if you walk around knowing, hey, on one second, I'm not in a weak position here. Uh, I may not feel ready. I may not feel capable, but I have this confidence of this God, this El Shaddai, this all-sufficient one is making me able. Are you with me? Amen. We should produce confidence. That's why Deuteronomy 6.5 says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. How does that kind of living come? How does the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength? It comes when we have an understanding of who God is and how he loves us and how he's using us. That's why the scripture made it so important that we got to be a people who what? Renew our minds. Yeah you got to remind yourself of who God is and how he leads us, so then you can step out with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Are you with me today? Amen. There's a Greek word for God uh, that we use. It's uh, a Greek word to describe God is the word Theos. It's where we get the word enthusiasm. So it teaches us that enthusiasm is God-based. So if enthusiasm comes from God, then some of the most enthusiastic people ought to be Christians. Amen. Why is it, though, that Christians are so negative? Well, I didn't like that. Well, and judging this and judging that. I don't know why they got that person on the worship team. I don't know why they don't do this. We ought to be some of the most life-giving, enthusiastic people if enthusiasm comes from God. We ought to be passion-filled people, walking with confidence, walking with a boldness, because we know the all-sufficient one is with us, even in our weaknesses, even when we don't feel ready. If enthusiasm comes from God, then shouldn't some of the most enthusiastic places be the church? Shouldn't it be the church? Not the stadiums, not the mall at Christmas. We see it's enthusiasm is given to Taylor Swift shutting down Ticketmaster. And I'm not throwing Taylor Swift under the bus. She was much better when she was country. Can I get an amen? Yeah. But shut down Ticketmaster, Taylor Swift. I was in Chicago uh, a couple of days ago this week with my wife and my friend Dave Matthews. And uh, (laughs) and uh, can I tell you something about the United Center, the United Center, the Chicago Bulls Arena, a three story, three levels? It's the it's the stadium where Michael Jordan had a couple good years. And so he had a few good years and I went to see his statue out front. But you know Jordan, he can't ever endure for more than a few years, so they took his statue away because he's just not very tough like King James. But anyway, we'll just keep preaching. I gotta, I gotta. Andy over here has a cult love for uh, Jordan. My truck will be keyed on the way out, but I'm used. To it. <laughs> so we get into this huge arena and uh, this huge stadium. And can I, can I tell you something that was fascinating? Do you know at that concert sold out Tuesday night in Chicago, snowing all this kind of stuff? Do you know what's crazy? They didn't have to start a countdown to get people to come in and get ready for the Dave Matthews concert. Do you know that people didn't start coming in during the second song and the third song? No, they were enthusiastic and they were passionate. How I many you know what I'm talking about? They came in because they cared. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You don't like what I'm talking about? That's fine. Mark 11:24 says, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them and they are yours. We have to be a people of passion and boldness and confidence and desire. We can't be a people who wish our prayers. Well, God, maybe if you're in the mood, would you transform our communities? If you slept right last night on the right side of the bed, maybe you might want to No, boldness. People with a passion, with the desire, with an understanding that God is a God who's the all sufficient one and he can make a way when there seems to be no way. Acts chapter 1, verse 3, talks about how Jesus modeled this for us. It said that after his passion, he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. His passion was the cross. It was his suffering. It was the the sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us. After that passion, that boldness, that desire, that thing that he did on our behalf, it said that he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs, meaning many miracles. I I put it down like this. Uh, After his passion, power was released. He showed himself alive. How did it happen? After his passion. We're over here and we go, oh Lord, it's our passion that you transform our communities. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come here on earth, but I really need you to do that between 1045 and noon because that's about all I got for you. (laughs) Where's our passion? Where's our boldness? Where's our commitment? Where's our dedication? Lord, will you transform our communities? God, we want to see you make a difference in this culture but I'm going to need to be able to not serve through the entire summer because, you know, i got to enjoy my summer. (laughs) This is for service, not you guys. I should have taken it out of my notes. Passion's not meant to be bound. The body of Christ is not supposed to be held down and lethargic. Scripture says about Jesus, when he rose up from the grave, how many know he took his grave clothes off? He folded them in such a way that he made the statement of, like, these things no longer bound me, bind me. What did he say to Lazarus? He says to so Lazarus. They said to the people with him. He said, "Hey, hey, hey! Loose that man. Take those things that are holding him down. Yeah. Take those things off. The body of Christ is not meant to be bound." Amen. We see this guy Elijah. Of course, a great man, one of the great Bible uh, leaders and, and people that God used. But Elijah, the Scripture says he he's so righteous, and the Lord has such a heart for him that he literally didn't die. He was taken in a tornado of fire up to heaven. We know that he at one point prayed. As a prophet, he prayed uh, for there to be no rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. We also know that at one point in his story, he raised a dead boy uh, up to life. Many miracles in his life. What's amazing about him is we don't know a specific lineage. We can't go, oh, he was a guy that was able to do all these kind of things because he went to Zealand Christian School and he did this and he did that. We, we don't know any of these things. But what we did hear about his life in James chapter five was it said that Elijah was a man of like passion. A man of like passion. We always say, oh, I wish we could see the miracles of Elijah. I wish we could see that. And I wonder if heaven's going like, oh, I wish I could see the passion of Elijah in my church. The desire, the confidence, the boldness. We say, oh, I wish we could see the the power in in heaven saying, I wish we could see the passion. I'll close with this. There's an incredible story in Mark chapter 5. Many of you know it. It's the story of the woman with an issue of blood. She has this infirmity that's been haunting her, tormenting her for 12 years. She's tried everything. She's gone to the doctors, she's researched online. She went to Peasley Chiropractic. They unsurprisingly couldn't help her. We we, we put her on pink drink, and the pink drink didn't help anything. She's tried everything that she could, tried everything that she could, but she was still dealing with this. But she heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming through. She heard that he would be in town. And she said, I wonder what would happen if with passion I pursued the Messiah. I went after the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, I know culture would say, you're insane. You're one of those crazy people. As a matter of fact, as someone with this issue, she would have been considered unclean. She wouldn't even supposed to be around the people or around the crowds. And scripture says that there's crowds pressing all around Jesus, meaning people are touching him constantly. They're all touching him. But she says, I'm going to press past logic. I'm going to press past what people might say, what people might think, because I believe that there's healing in that man. So the scripture says that she presses her way through the crowd. And with passion, she touched him for her healing. And Jesus stops everybody and goes, Whoa. He says, I just felt power leave my body. And they're like, Jesus, a whole bunch of people have been touching you. He's like, No, somebody touched me with passion. Somebody touched me knowing that I'm the all sufficient one and everything that that person needs is in me. How many know what I'm talking about today? And she was healed. Power followed passion. We need to be a people that even when we don't feel ready, even when we feel weak, even when we feel like we're at disadvantage, we trust in an all sufficient one. Can I get an amen today? So I told you about Elijah. Well, the next person under him was Elisha and Elisha's desire because he prayed with someone with desire. He understood desire. So his desire was to have a double portion of the same anointing and miracles that Elijah had. The scripture says that it was granted to him. But at the end of his life, he was one miracle short of all of the miracles of Elijah. So some people go, he didn't get it. He died. He was one miracle short. Now, at that time, if there would be a war or something going on and someone would die, uh, instead of a proper burial, you would get thrown into a cave. Well, Elijah was someone who was thrown into this cave. And later, there was a battle in that area. And so some of the soldiers were taken and just tossed into that cave as well. Well, the scripture teaches us that one of those soldiers' bodies touched the bones of Elisha and came back to life. Why? Because even when things look dead, if you did something with passion, power can be released. It looks dead. I don't know how it's going to happen. Looks like we came up short on this one. But God honors passion. God honors boldness. God honors confidence when we trust in the one who is the all-sufficient one. Can I get an amen today? Jacob said, I wrestle with God. I'm going to wrestle with you. I'm going to wrestle with you until you bless me. He wrestled with passion. He wrestled with a boldness and a confidence that he knows that if he just endures, God will bring about the blessing. Even when we feel weak, even when we feel at disadvantage, God can do it. Amen? Amen. That's why the scripture tells us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. It's the promise of being a passionate people is that God meets that need. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for how you lead us and how you love us. Lord, I pray that all of these words, God, I pray that they go into activation in our lives. Lord, we, we don't consume your word just for inspiration, but God, we... We dive into who you are, Lord, with conviction because we desire transformation better than inspiration. And so, God, I pray that you help us live this. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.